Welcome to Hub & Flow, a podcast produced by Natural Gas Intelligence. On a mission to provide transparency to the natural gas market, Hub & Flow focuses on key fundamentals driving the price of natural gas and LNG in the United States, Canada, and Mexico. Natural Gas Intelligence, or NGI, is a subscription-based price reporting agency, which means we provide trusted and independent natural gas pricing and news for the North American market. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of NGI's Hub & Flow. I'm Letitia Gonzalez, Price and Markets Editor here at Natural Gas Intelligence. Joining me today is Nick Hillman, Associate of Market Analytics at Aegis Hedging Solutions. Nick, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, Letitia and everyone else. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be on the podcast. Great. Well, we look forward to hearing everything you have to tell us about all the wild volatility that we've seen in the natural gas market here over the last several weeks. You know, it's definitely been an interesting ride here. Huge swings that we're seeing day to day in the gas market, mostly to the upside. On Monday, April 18th, we saw natural gas futures spike all the way beyond $8. Now that's something we haven't seen since 2008, but here we are in 2022 and we're seeing prices rise hugely over the last several weeks. We are seeing a downturn today, but generally speaking, we are in a very high priced environment. And so I know that there's a lot of factors that are influencing U.S. gas prices right now. We've got Russia's war in Ukraine, obviously dominating a lot of headlines, but we've also seen the rally in U.S. gas prices being tied to our own supply demand issues. So Nick, can you explain a little bit about some of the supply issues that we're seeing here in the U.S.? Yeah, Letitia. So uh, the U.S., like every other country right now, is just facing both labor and material shortages that are nearly unprecedented or at least haven't been seen in the last 40 to 50 years. You're seeing that rigs and completion crews are actually booked up, you know, 12 months out in some cases. And so it's a lot of producers that are trying to find a way to drill and there just really isn't the uh, ability to do so. The U.S. has also been going through all of its economic ducks at a rapid clip, particularly in the Appalachian region, which I think they're at less than 50% of where they were before the pandemic. So they've been drilling those down and completing them. And then I think that also just producers' ability to gain access to capital. I think traditional lending and capital markets access is down for EMP companies The Dallas Fed survey came out a couple of weeks ago, and you saw a lot of their comments were around capital. And then also just considering how capital-intensive oil and gas extraction is, investors have been pressuring companies to just maintain capital discipline, hold production steady, pay down debt, generate free cash flow, and buying back shares. So there really hasn't been much focus on growing production from the EMP side. Right. I mean, that's that's certainly true. I mean, I know that we are we are expected to see some growth, you know, maybe some, you know, moderate growth, maybe four, three to five percent or so. But, you know, nothing to the extreme, nothing that we saw that we typically see when we see gas prices this high. So that's that's a lot of great color, Nick. I appreciate that. 
Let's shift a little bit to demand, though. You know, weather obviously rules the gas market, certainly in the wintertime, which we're just coming out of, although I believe the the East Coast is due for, you know, a major snowstorm again. Um, So we've seen some lingering cold weather, but then it looks like we're in for another hot summer. Maybe not quite as hot as it was last year, but certainly enough to generate some cooling loads, you know, especially here in the South Central region. So the weather demand combined with, you know, export demand that we see here in the South Central, how is this influencing prices right now? Yeah, so I'll just kind of tackle the uh, export demand side first. So export demand, it's been very robust. That's been one of the reasons that the market has been so tight and the result has been higher prices. So where does this demand come from? Well, it's been two facilities. It's been Sabine Pass's Train 6, which came online towards the end of 2021. That's about 600 to 700 million cubic feet a day. And then we've also seen commissioning at Venture Global's Calcasieu Pass, and that's 1.3 BCF a day of new capacity. I think they're only flowing at around 800 million cubic feet a day right now. So I think there's about 500 of potential upside that we could see. But I think this summer we're going to see daily feed gas flows fluctuate due to maintenance. But the U.S. will likely average probably around one and a half BCF a day higher year over year. And that just includes those new facilities that we didn't have last summer. Just as far as weather, we have seen warmer summers on average over the last 10 years. It's kind of that climate drift uh, narrative. And so I think that maybe some of the upside that we've seen for prices over the last few weeks is probably the market already pricing in just a very warm summer. And so I think that every time the market gets ahead of itself and starts pricing in one weather scenario, it tends to throw us a curveball and everybody's models end up being completely wrong. So I think weather, I only really count on the forecast going maybe two weeks out. Anything beyond that, I just, it's kind of could go anywhere. Right. Well, that's that's certainly true. I mean, you know, and you mentioned, you know, traders pricing in that weather risk, you know, ahead of summer, just kind of planning for a hot summer. And I know they do the same for the winter time. And I feel that we have gotten a break. Mother Nature has given us a break, you know, but with all of this, export demand taking place in the South Central region. And then we also that's also the region that will be hot. If we're going to have some hotter than normal weather, that's definitely a region to watch. We've already seen storage levels really tanking. All of our inventories across the lower 48 are well below normal. So, you know, how do you see that playing out over the summertime, I guess, what needs to happen in order for, you know, us to actually start replenishing some of our inventories? Obviously, I mentioned that we're still seeing some cool weather. So even though we're now a few weeks into April, we haven't really made a big dent yet in replenishing our own storage inventory. So how do you see that playing out this summer? Yeah, so I've actually done some modeling just to see, you know, assuming normal weather given the current supply-demand balance, and I always take out the effect of weather just to see kind of the bare bones of it. I mean, this market's undersupplied, and so I think I've got it around 1.1 BCF a day to the five-year average undersupplied. And so if we had normal weather, the way to think about that is if we're at a 300 BCF deficit to the five-year average right now, that means that over the course of the summer, we could add another 200 BCF. So we could be entering winter with even lower inventories. So 
I think that the market is going to rebalance itself. And I think the question now is kind of, I guess, what levers, so to speak. Right. And so as far as demand destruction, I know we haven't seen it taking place quite yet, certainly not on the power burn side. I think when we were first starting to hit around $4, the market was kind of expecting to see, you know, okay, well, we'll start to see some demand destruction come in. Maybe maybe coal will come back into the generation stack, but that, but that really didn't happen. And so what lever do you see maybe finally responding to these higher prices? Um, I know some folks have thrown out the industrial sector, but with all of that coming back from COVID, I'm just not sure that that's actually happening. And do, do you see do you see any demand destruction actually taking place? Well, I actually uh, agree, and that's something that's uh, really good to bring up is just coal to gas switching. So that was always historically analysts have always looked to the power market for short-term demand destruction just because of its ability to balance demand with price and switch from gas to coal and coal to gas. So once this relationship broke down about 18 months ago, I mean, everybody was kind of left wondering what's the new ceiling price for gas going to be. So if we're not giving up power demand, LNG would be the next choice, right? I mean, the U.S. in theory should be able to you know, fulfill its own gas needs domestically and then export the additional gas. Well, that was before TTF and JKM prices went to $30 and blew that R wide open. So I think even with where prices are right now, we would still need at least another $15 in Henry Hub before we see any change in exports. And also you've got Europe who really needs the gas if they're going to get off of Russian gas. And so I don't think that's going to be a likely avenue for demand destruction. And so I think industrial really is the only sector left. And the problem is, is that the U.S. industrial sector has actually been one of the largest beneficiaries of kind of the global turmoil with gas prices and energy prices in general. I mean, even at $8 gas, it's still important to remember that the U.S. is the lowest cost gas supply anywhere in the world. And so you probably need to see prices go much, much higher before you actually see industrial demand start to dip, I think. So I I think to answer your question, it's really unclear at this time where that demand destruction is going to come from. And that's why it's hard to model kind of a ceiling price at this time. Right. I mean, I kind of think that we're sort of in unprecedented times. While we have seen gas prices this high before, this was more the norm back maybe in 2006, 2007, 2008, before the shale revolution. And so now we've kind of been in this lull where we've gotten used to really $3 gas and and even at times sub $2. So this is seemingly new territory, but it's really not. But, you know, as you mentioned, you know, it's really going to be, you know, up in the air as far as like where we could see demand destruction take place, especially with the war in Russia and the impacts that that's having on Europe. So definitely an interesting time. Just curious, how high do you guys see prices actually rising this year? Do you see that $15 coming into play this summer? Right now, we're just trying to really monitor the kind of on the ground situation. I don't know if we have a uh, price forecast per se, but I will say that at the end of the day, price is going to do what it needs to balance this market. 
I think right now it's kind of looking for the point where price discourages enough demand to keep a reasonable supply demand balance that would allow us to replenish inventories heading into winter. So I think that the problem that we're facing right now, and it's really kind of unprecedented, is, I mean, we've got low coal supply, so low gas to coal switching capacity. We've got total exports, which are accounting for almost 20% of U.S. supply when you include Mexico, LNG, both of those. And then you've also got production growing slowly and producers really not racing to add production. And there's not really investors that are looking to, I guess, pour capital into the industry. So it's a very uncertain time. I would say that that uncertainty is very risky, but depending on who you are, if you're a consumer or you're a producer, there are ways that you can mitigate that risk. So I think that's kind of what we're focusing on right now is just kind of monitoring this situation. But just to bring the U.S. back in balance, you would probably need to cancel about one to two BCF of LNG cargoes. And I just don't think it's realistic right now. I mean, think of Europe's situation with Russia. They need the gas and they'll pay a lot more. So who's to say Henry Hub goes up $15 and TTF doesn't go up with it. So I don't think we really know at this time how high prices can go or, you know, once it gets dislocated from the marginal cost of supply, the price point that would bring demand destruction is really anyone's guess. Right. No, that's very true. I think if anything, you know, to see a real meaningful pullback in prices, we're really going to just need to see that production response. And, you know, so far we haven't seen it. We're kind of stuck in this low to mid 90 BCF per day range. Um, I think a lot of folks are thinking that that moderate growth and output will really come in the back half of this year. So that actually brings up a good point. We are getting underway with earnings season. So Halliburton is reporting on April 19th, and then Kinder Morgan is actually kicking things off for the midstreamers on April 20th. So hoping to hear a little bit, get a little insight into what the plans are for the remainder of the year. We'll find out maybe if some of the producers are perhaps going to bump up their output a little bit more than maybe they had originally said. As always, you can read all of our news and analysis in our daily gas price index. Nick, I want to thank you so much for coming on our show today. We appreciate your insights and folks, we look forward to chatting with you again soon. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Dependable data drives informed business decisions. Trust NGI to provide your natural gas and LNG data for North America. If your business requires daily, weekly, or bid-week pricing data, forward curves, or flow data, NGI has a reliable product suite to support you. Visit natgasintel.com backslash services to understand what we have to offer and how we can help you and your business today. Thank you for listening to NGI's Hub & Flow podcast today. We encourage you to subscribe to the podcast, rate, and review it, and please do share it with your colleagues. A trusted provider of natural gas news, data, and pricing information for North America, NGI offers subscription-based products. Please visit natgasintel.com if you are interested in NGI and our services. If you would like to dive deeper into this subject, additional resources are available on our website as well. Just visit natgasintel.com and click on the resources tab to find the podcast page.